Welcome to the Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP 106.5 FM Louisville. Also, streaming worldwide at forwardradio.org. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and we are on episode number 364. Today's topic is Greenwashing the Exploitation of Africa. Greenwashing is defined as misleading or deceptive publicity disseminated by an organization so as to present an environmentally responsible public image. So the organizations that we're talking about doing the greenwashing in this particular case are the, the, the State Department of the United States and also the corporations that want to get into Africa and exploit their resources in, for a so-called gr- uh, green revolution. And the prevailing theme here is that green energy is not what we're led to believe it is. And green, you know, so-called clean vehicles are not what we are led to believe they are. The sources I'll be sharing with you are an article from Jeremy Lafredo of the Gray Zone, a comments from the Department of State website, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, the website of a company called Cobalt, which was founded by Bill Gates and supported by Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson. Also, the World Economic Forum website and the Department of Defense website. And an article from the New York Times. Let's start with the article from the New York Times. The article says, A power struggle over cobalt rattles the clean energy revolution. So cobalt is a a mineral that is necessary in lithium-ion batteries. Lithium-ion is the -the state-of-the-art battery technology. It is estimated uh, that by the year 2030, 80% of the lithium will be used for electric vehicles. So the Times points to this, uh, quoting, it says, At 73, Kahili Mangi has lived here long enough, by here they mean the Democratic Republic of Congo, has lived here long enough to predict the path ahead. Once the blasting starts, the walls of mud-brick homes will crack. Chemicals will seep into the river where women do laundry and dishes while worrying about hippo attacks. Soon, a manager from the mine will announce that everyone needs to be relocated. So you have to ask, who benefits from this? This doesn't seem to be benefiting the people of Africa. It's said that the Democratic Republic of Congo is the poorest country above ground and the richest country below ground. That's because prevailing theme in colonization and imperialism is that the people of a country do not get to enjoy the benefits of the wealth that their country holds. The Times article goes on to say, the gray metal, talking about cobalt, typically extracted from copper deposits, has historically been of secondary interest to miners, but the demand is set to explode worldwide because it is used in electric car batteries, helping them run longer without a charge. So the mineral resources of the Democratic Republic of Congo are being exploited so that rich Westerners can drive electric vehicles and run longer on a single charge. 
Now here's an article by Jerry, Jeremy Lafredo. Look this up if you want to. L-O-F-F-R-E-D-O. Jeremy Lafredo. It's entitled, U.S.-Africa Leaders Summit Promises More Exploitation for Africa and Record Profits for U.S. Mining Firms. So this is referring to an event that occurred on December 13th through 15th of last year, within the last couple of months. The uh, event was called the U.S.-Africa Summit, and it's where heads of state or foreign ministers from Africa came to Washington, D.C. for a three-day summit to meet with the Secretary of State, the uh, Department of Commerce, and also many, many high-level leaders, including the CEO of Visa, was there. So the Jeremy Lafredo article says, At the top of the corporate titan's agenda was the relaxation of regulatory requirements, which they argued would make the continent more inviting for outside investment. So they're going to relax regulatory requirements. They're going to play these countries off against each other. They're going to use military and economic power to make these countries relax regulations. And when you think of it, regulations are where the government is trying to protect the interests of the people. And when regulations are weakened, it means the government is weakened in its role as one that can protect the interests of the people. But corporations that do mining, they want environmental regulations to be relaxed. They don't want to have to deal with regulations related to slavery. I mean, these are places where, you know, kids work for a couple of dollars a day to get cobalt out of the mine. It's terrible. It's horrendous. And most of our devices have some of this illegally mined cobalt in them. Speaking again of regulations, Deloitte, the big accounting and consulting firm, which Max Blumenthal calls Beltway Bandits, or one of the Beltway Bandits, so Deloitte uh, said, uh, went on to argue that Africa needs, quote, to move away from enforcing regulatory compliance for compliance sake and move toward delivering value. So what you have here is a false dichotomy. It's a false choice. For one thing, Deloitte says that these countries have compliance for the sake of compliance, not for the sake of any underlying value, but for the sake of just compliance, which makes it sound like busy work. And uh, Deloitte says that these companies, these countries need to move toward delivering value. Of course, who gets to define value? Do the people of DRC, Democratic Republic of Congo, get to decide what value is? Do they, for one thing, do they get to set the prices for the products that are exported from their country? Do they get to regulate the mining activities so that it doesn't pollute the water? You know, we saw from the New York Times article that women are washing clothes and dishes in a polluted river where they have to worry about being attacked by hippos. Does that sound like the vast wealth of the Democratic Republic of Congo is going to benefit the people of the Democratic Republic of Congo? Of course not. 
Now, Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State at this conference from December 13th through 15th in Washington, D.C., says the DRC produces, Democratic Republic of Congo, produces more than 70% of the world's cobalt. Zambia, which Zambia is a country just to the south of DRC, Zambia is the world's sixth largest producer, um, copper producer, and the second largest cobalt producer in Africa. In other words, these countries have a lot of stuff we need, and we don't want to pay the fair market value. We're going to use force, and we're going to manipulate. We're going to find some local cronies that are willing to sell their people out, and we're going to get these resources, these metals that are collectively worth trillions, with a T, trillions of dollars, as we'll see from other sources a little bit later. Secretary of State Blinken says global demand for critical minerals is going to skyrocket over the next decades. Electric vehicles help reduce carbon emissions and they support the global response to the climate crisis. So when you think about driving electric cars and lowering carbon emissions, think about the women that are have to uh, do their laundry and their dishes in the polluted river. Is it worth the price uh, I'm not saying that maybe cobalt could be extracted in a way that is fair and is environmentally friendly and it does not require slave labor. It probably could be done, but that would mean the price would go up. And these multinational corporations that make our devices and make our electric cars and make our electronics don't want to pay higher prices for these minerals. Now let's look at a website of a company called Cobalt. Cobalt must, must be the African spelling for cobalt. That's just a guess, but we spell it C-O-B-A-L-T. They're spelling the company name C-O-B-O-L-D. But the company Cobalt was founded by Bill Gates and it's backed by Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson. Bezos of Amazon and Richard Branson of Virgin Airlines, a billionaire. The Cobalt website says, Our job at Cobalt is to invent better ways to find metals to electrify the world economy. So, hey, our job is to electrify the world economy. We're not going to worry too much about the people that get flattened in the process or the, uh, the, the, the water that they have to drink. We're going to electrify the world economy because the conventional wisdom among environmentalists is that we have to electrify things so that that pollution, so that carbon won't come out of, out of our tailpipes. But we're disregarding the impact of these supposed solutions to, car, to climate change. So the website of Cobalt goes on to say, Copper, Cobalt, Nickel, and Lithium... Uh, we are working to discover the deposits that will become the next generation of mines and produce the materials that we need to avoid catastrophic climate change. You know, we could talk about what really causes climate change, but that's another conversation. We could talk about the real solutions to climate change, but that's another conversation. Suffice it to say that, in my humble opinion, the environmental movement has, is getting it wrong. They're getting the problem 
wrong. They're misdiagnosing the problem and they're allowing commercial interests to lead them down a garden path to a to the wrong solutions, solutions that are profitable to commercial interests, but are not profitable to the planet, the people, the water, the wildlife. But that's another conversation. But for at this juncture, what we can say is that they're proposing to avoid catastrophic climate change at the expense of the world's poorest people. Reading from the Cobalt Metals website, it says to help save the planet. You know, we're just saving the planet here. We're just good old-fashioned American entrepreneurs doing well by doing good. It says to help save the planet, we must electrify all cars and trucks. Oh, really? Are we going to do that? Well, I've shown, I can explain to you how we don't have the materials to electrify all cars and trucks, but for the time being, we're going to pretend as if we do. But it says, to save the planet, we must electrify all cars and trucks. Reducing the world's dependence on fossil fuels to avoid catastrophic climate change requires replacing 60% of all new light cars and trucks with electric vehicles by 2030 and 100% by 2050. So we're going to replace 60% of all vehicles with electric cars in the next seven years. 60% of all vehicles in the world in the next seven years and then 100% of all vehicles in the world by 2050. I've said many times on this show that two-thirds of the pollution and two-thirds of the carbon emissions associated with a car happen during the manufacturing process, starting with the mining. So from the mining to the processing the materials to the manufacturing, by the, by the time a car rolls off the assembly line, it has already accounted for most of the pollution that that car will ever produce. The useful life of a car is responsible for about a third or less of the total pollution, the total carbon emissions associated with that car because the manufacturing process alone and the mining process alone produces a lot of carbon and produces a lot of pollution. This is Hart Hagen. You're listening to The Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP 106.5 FM, Louisville. So whenever anybody proposes to help the climate by manufacturing a whole lot of new devices, they are probably misleading you. They're maybe, they're probably misled themselves, but they are misleading us by because they're ignoring the amount of carbon that is is emitted when we manufacture things not to mention the water quality issues and the issues with wildlife that occur by building the infrastructure that it requires to manufacture things Continuing on the Cobalt website, it says, that means going from 10 million electric vehicles on the road today to 200 million by 2030 and up to 3 billion by mid-century. So we're going to manufacture, you know, close to 200 million new electric vehicles by 2030. How much carbon does it take to manufacture uh, 200 million new vehicles? If you ask me, the most environmentally friendly cars we have are the ones that you don't have to manufacture. 
the ones the the most environmentally friendly car is the one that you already have you know we need to be stricter with emissions controls it's just insane that the county of jefferson where i live no longer has a, a vet of vehicle emission testing it's just insane that we allow you know a lot of commercial vehicles you know the worst pollution i see on the road is trucks um, that are that have something wrong with them and they're just spewing out lots of pollution the fact that we're not enforcing that is insane so they're, they're talking about producing three billion electric vehicles by mid-century it boggles the mind how much carbon emissions are going to be generated by the manufacture of three billion cars not to mention the water quality and wildlife issues that go along with all the roads all the factories all the power lines that it takes to build the infrastructure that was required to build the cars. Says on the Cobalt website, we will need to manufacture billions of electric vehicle batteries. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And we will need to discover $12 trillion. Listen to these numbers, the trillions of dollars. And we will have to discover $12 trillion in new EV battery mineral deposits. So what they're saying here on the website of this company founded by Bill Gates, backed by Bezos and Richard Branson, is that we're going to get our hands on $12 trillion worth of minerals. We're going to do this with fancy-smancy technology. They're proposing to use some sort of innovative technology to detect metals that cannot currently be detected. And no doubt that technology was developed by the taxpayer. It was developed at taxpayer expense. That's why the purpose of government is to throw money at rich people, because we, the taxpayers, pay for the development of the technology, and then it's handed over to rich people to make more money on. But I digress. So it says on this website that EV batteries require cobalt, nickel, copper, and lithium. We'll need all of the world's reserves of these metals, plus another $12 trillion of new sources. So they're talking about a lot of money. Uh, the human mind cannot comprehend a trillion dollars. A trillion is a thousand billion. So they're talking about getting even richer by supplying the demand. And where does the demand come from? Does it come from the consumer? The demand comes from lots and lots of government subsidies, plus kind of a contrived false narrative as to what is the true nature of the climate crisis and how do we solve it. It's a false narrative that says, you know, we're hyper-focused on greenhouse gases when greenhouse gases are not the only thing that causes climate change. What we do to the land causes climate change because when we scrape the ecosystems off the land and we leave bare dirt or pavement, the ground gets very, very hot and the land loses its ability to regulate temperatures. We have life on this planet because we have life on this planet. We have life on this planet because we have somewhat moderate 
temperatures. We have moderate temperatures because of life, because of ecosystems, because water ha is not only, you know, water is life and it's also the best regulator of heat and temperatures because water has a very high specific heat. That means water is very slow to gain heat and then very slow to lose heat. So wherever you have an ecosystem instead of a, an absence of an ecosystem, if you have water flowing through an ecosystem, then it's going to be not as hot in the day, not as cold at night, not as hot in the summer, not as cold in winter. This has been completely ignored by the climate movement because we've been bamboozled into this hyper-focus on carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide is important. Carbon dioxide is acidifying the oceans. If we knew what carbon dioxide was doing to the oceans, yes, we would be focused on carbon dioxide, but we would get serious about it instead of being played by commercial interests. I hope that's not too confusing because I'm trying here. Let's go to the website of the World Economic Forum. So the World Economic Forum, a.k.a. Davos, says the demand for lithium-ion batteries to power electric vehicles and energy storage has seen exponential growth, increasing from just 0.5 gigawatt hours in 2010 to 526 gigawatt hours a decade later. Demand is projected to increase 17-fold by 2030, bringing the cost of battery storage down, according to Bloomberg. So I've got sources that say we don't have enough lithium to do this rollout of supposed renewable energy, and we don't have enough copper to do this supposed rollout of renewable energy. You know, at current production levels, it would take hundreds of years to get the lithium we need and the copper we need for this proposed rollout. We just don't have the minerals that it takes and that's why my friend Simon Michaud and uh, Nate Hagens, who I'm not acquainted with yes, yet, but hope to be, they're saying, you know, the economists and the governments and the corporate leaders are energy blind and they're materials blind. They're energy blind in that they don't see the coming shortage of energy and they're materials blind in that they don't see the shortage of minerals. Name a mineral. Uh, lithium, copper, cobalt, nickel, even iron, there's just not enough of it to do this rollout of so-called renewable energy and the electric vehicle, the so-called clean vehicles. So there's just, we're in complete denial about what it's going to take to roll all this out irrespective of whether it would be beneficial. And I'm here to argue that it, it's not beneficial if you look at the true cost, if you look behind the scenes, if you look how the proverbial sausage is made. So, uh, you know, Solar has its place, but it, it's not going to support an industrial economy. Wind turbines, I just think, are a disaster. They're a disaster. You, they make sound that you, you can't live near it. You have to, you know, keep, they, you can't have too much wind resistance in the vicinity, so you have to cut down trees. Uh, they are harmful to birds and bats. They are just a disaster. They require a monumental amount of materials in, uh, in relation to the amount of energy they produce. Plus, 
you know, solar and wind produce electricity, electricity is only about 20% of the energy that we use. Another limitation with electricity is that electric power will never, uh, can't create the process heat. Can't, electric power cannot generate heat at high enough temperatures to, to make concrete or steel. So you're always going to need fossil fuels to make temperatures hot enough to do anything with concrete or steel. Put another way, solar panels will never generate the energy that's needed to make solar panels and wind turbines will never generate the energy that's needed to make wind turbines. It's just this whole enterprise is based on a monumental fantasy. It's magical thinking. So I'm going to wrap up with this article from the Department of Defense website. This is good. This is a general talking, uh, General Stephen J. Townsend. Uh, the Department of Defense, this is about the Department of Defense on the importance of Africa's resources for progress, quote-unquote progress. And you have to ask, progress for whom? Progress for the people of Africa? Progress for the people of the world? progress for the vast majority of people in the world, including the poor and the middle class? Is this progress for them? But I digress. Let's see what the good general has to say. It says, Africa, well, the, the title headline of the article says, Commander says Africa is too important for Americans to ignore. So it says Africa is a fascinating continent of tremendous possibilities, but also tremendous dangers. And the U.S. ignores the nations of Africa at its own peril, the commander of the U.S. Africa Command said during an interview. So Africa Command is called AFRICOM. And think, why, why do we need to command? Why do we need to have a military you know, command, probably multiple divisions dedicated to Africa? Why are we, you know, it's because we're exploiting, it's because our corporations, not we, not we the people of the United States, but our corporations are exploiting Africa, they're controlling Africa. And at the end of the day, it's about money. Townsend says, China and Russia don't ignore Africa, and that alone should say something. Army General Stephen J. Townsend said, Africa has 13 of the 25 fastest growing economies in the world, Townsend said. In a time of climate change, Africa has 60% of the arable land on the globe. This fact alone should show how important Africa is for the world, he added. So, you know, okay, Africa has 60% 60 of the arable land on the globe. That arable land means land that can be farmed. Why is Africa... Why is there any hunger in Africa? If they have 60% of the arable land on the globe, if they were allowed to use the land to grow food, to feed themselves, then there wouldn't be any hunger in Africa. But the African continent is controlled by imperial powers. It says here, the United States actually is the preferred partner on the continent. We are never 
we were never a colonizing power in Africa, and we are regarded as an honest broker by many nations, he said. In addition, our values are their values. Well, that's just the opposite of the truth. The United States just blew up the, you know, arguably, and the overwhelming probability is that the United States just blew up the pipeline, the Nord Stream pipeline, which was going to supply natural gas to our ally. We're attacking our allies, that is Germany, and we're also attacking Russia, another nuclear power. Most of the world knows that this country is out of control. I'm about out of time. Let me sum it up. Things are not always as they seem. You have to separate the rhetoric from the reality. Oh, look at the time. Bye now.